You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Man, I'm excited that you guys decided to join us here today. I'd like to welcome all of you, all of you that are watching online, of course, at all of our seven campuses, starting with the Lutz campus here. Give it up for yourselves. Yeah. Got our Carrollwood campus, our Clearwater campus, our South Tampa campus, our Ebor campus, my, my home campus, my old home campus, Temple Terrace campus, and the Lando Lakes campus. And if you missed it last week, you missed the announcement of campus number eight. Yeah, so give it up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm excited because we are in week two of a series called You Asked For, where we're gonna be talking about very tough questions, questions that you have asked that you need answers for. And last week, I don't know if you guys missed it, but last week, Pastor Craig came off a sabbatical and we gave him the easy message of hell. And so here's what we've done though, because here's what we know. Every time we teach a message, many times there's questions off of those messages. So we have started a podcast, vodcast, really to help you guys out with it. And we're gonna answer questions even after the message. It's the You Asked For It. Uh, vodcast is starting off on YouTube. It is up right now. Uh, they should have a QR code that they're gonna throw up here in just a little bit that you can look at it, but it's called You Asked For It. And you can hear uh, myself, Pastor Craig, Pastor Mike Ash, and Will Jackson kind of talk about uh, hell and some of the questions that came along with it, next week we're gonna be doing the same exact thing. Why? Because questions are good things. They're good things. It's interesting, so many times people say, well, I don't think we should ask questions, or we feel like in certain moments we can't ask questions. Or really, if you've got a four-year-old like me, there are times where you're like, can you stop asking questions? But questions are good, right? Because questions allow us to have understanding. Questions allow us to have direction. In one area of my life where I felt like I couldn't ask a lot of questions because as a man, I was supposed to be good at it was directions. Yeah, that's my wife laughing over there. Yeah, I'm not good with directions at all. Like I'm bad at it. My family makes fun of me for it. If you'd like to pay for my counseling, that'd be great. But I'm just not good with directions. I've never been good at directions. And I still remember uh, an instance where I was incredibly bad with directions. I was 18 years old. Uh, It was 1999, or as like the young people like to say, the 1900s. Stop, 1999. And I, I was 18 years old and I had to go to the dentist and I had been to the dentist a lot, a lot. We had had the same dentist since I was a little kid. But the, here's my problem. I never paid attention in the car. Ever, never paid attention to anything. I still remember one time I was like 10 or 11 years old and we were at church and my grandparents had to take me home. They're like, do you know how to get home? I'm like, I have no idea. And so I'm supposed to go to the dentist. And look, we didn't have Google Maps back then, okay? We didn't have phones that had Google Maps on it. We didn't even have Garmin back then, which is, you don't even know what that is, some of you young people. We had, we had something called MapQuest. And you would put your, 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 where you're at and where you needed to go and you would print out directions. The problem with MapQuest is nobody could understand what a slight right meant. And if you didn't laugh at that joke, that's fine. You're just young, be happy at that. So I, I'm heading down my mom goes, hey, do you need help with directions? I'm like, no, I don't, it's 10 minutes away. We lived between Fort Lauderdale and Miami. It was 10 minutes south of us. And about 10 minutes in, I got on I-95. And I go on I-95 for a while. And about an hour later, I finally pulled over because young people back then, I did not have a cell phone. And so I had to go to this thing called a pay phone and put in what's called a quarter so I could talk for five minutes to my mom and let her know that I was okay. 
Why? Because I, I was lost. See, I, th- I think this happens a lot of the Christian life too. I, I think there's a part of us for some reason, there's this, this idea that I'm not allowed to have questions. Like I'm not allowed to doubt, I'm not allowed to have questions, but I need you to understand, doubt is not the opposite of faith. I think it's the beginning of a deeper faith. It can be the beginning of a deeper faith if we choose, if we choose to look into it, if we choose to ask the question and seek answers. In fact, God actually says in the Bible, he says, if you seek me, you will find me. So our job many times as Christians is not to not ask questions, it's to ask questions and then look for answers. And parents, let me just say this as an aside to you. Please don't stop asking questions. Please don't stop seeking answers because sooner or later your kid will start asking them. And they will ask a lot of them. And they'll start asking them as a teenager and they'll go off to college and they'll come back. And the worst thing I can hear parents do is this, is hey, I don't know the answer to that. You just need to believe. As if the only type of faith we can have as Christians is a blind faith. And that's not true. Like I'm not saying there's answers to every question, but there's answers to a lot of them. There's understanding that we can absolutely have. And so what we're gonna do today in this message is we're gonna tackle three questions. Three questions that you guys uh, submitted many times that I've heard a lot of, and really we're gonna go through them. And I'm just gonna talk about the base answer to it because I, I can't go into every nook and cranny of it. We'll probably cover some of that on the podcast, but just the base answer to these three questions. Here's the first question that we got several times, and here's what it is. Do we really have free will? Do we really have free will? Are our lives predetermined by God? Meaning, do I really have the ability to make a choice? Because so many times you can hear, well, God's all powerful, God's all knowing, God's all present. So does he really give me the ability to make a choice? Every time we talk about revelation, I have a kid come up to me and go, wait a second, we're talking about revelation. God knows what's going to happen. So does that mean he made it happen? Or I'll say something from stage from the side of, hey, God knew you were going to sin. He also knew when you were going to ask for forgiveness. Does that mean he made that happen? No, that's not what I'm saying. Actually, what we need to understand is this. There's a difference between God being all-knowing and God making it happen. In fact, I could probably without a doubt say this. By this time tomorrow, everyone listening to this message will sin because many of you are driving home. And that's not because I caused you to sin. Don't blame it on me. If you have an argument later on with your wife, that will pass your house that it was gonna happen. No. Why? Because we know these things are gonna happen. They're inevitable. Just because God knows something is going to happen, just because God is all-knowing doesn't mean he is making it happen. Doesn't mean he's removed will. And we see that in a couple of verses here. John 7, 17 says this. It says, anyone who wants to do the will of God, wanting is a choice will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Also in Mark 8, 34, this is Jesus speaking. He says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, if you make that choice to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, another decision, and follow me, and follow me. See, God gives us free will, so we have the ability to choose him, to choose him. But let me say it like this. See, the first thing that has to happen though is the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts us and then we make a response. Or you can say like this in your notes, God will provide the opportunity, we must make the choice. God will always provide the opportunity, but we must make the choice. See, that's what we believe. We believe the Holy Spirit prompts us and we have a decision on our hands. Now, a lot of these, this question came in too. There's a belief on the other side. And I'm not gonna try to spend too much time on this because it's confusing to people that have no idea what I'm talking about. 
But there's some people that believe uh, that God actually doesn't give us the choice. That basically, because we are sinful, we don't have the ability to choose God. So God not only causes us to make the decision, but he makes us make the decision. And so we are predestined to make that decision. And so there's a, there's a belief that only certain people are predestined to follow after God. And so this be, causes a lot of trouble sometimes in the church and people get mad about it. Here's the reason why we don't need to. Here's the reason why we don't need to. Both sides believe Jesus is the son of God. Both sides believe that he died and he rose again for our sins. Both sides believe that the only way to heaven is through Jesus. So here's what we can do. We can get to heaven and then we can ask God. But at that point, we won't care because we're in heaven, right? There's some things, guys, hear me on this. There's some things in church that are secondary issues. It's not a sin to believe that. It's a secondary issue. And you know, you see this all the time. Hey, the church is fighting, the church is fighting. As a church, we should be able to have conversations that don't lead to fights, we should be able to show the world what that looks like. For example, we've got baptism coming up next week. We believe after you've given your life to Christ, you're to be baptized. And we actually mean, believe the word baptizo literally means to be dunked underwater. Some people believe after you give your life to Christ, you should just be sprinkled with water. That doesn't mean we go and we tackle those people and drag them into the water and baptize them. It's a secondary issue. And here's why I say that. So many times as Christians, we get caught up on things that aren't the most important. What's most important is who Jesus is and what he did. Do we have free will? Yes, we have free will. We have the ability to choose God. But here's the question that I get. After we choose God, all right, this is, this is a big one. Is it possible to lose your salvation? After we choose God, is it possible to lose your salvation? Because we've seen people, right? We've seen people that were following after God, people that were going after God, then all of a sudden they took a hard right. right? And we wonder, did they lose their salvation? Well, let me just say this right off the bat. We don't have the ability to determine that because we're not God. Only God is the one that can do that. Or you look in the Bible and you look at Judas, right? I mean, Judas walked with Jesus. He knew Jesus. He knew everything about Jesus. Yet at one moment, he turned really right. Right? He gave Jesus up. We see Judas do those things. And the question is, well, if Jesus lost Judas, can Jesus lose me? And when you look at that, though, you've got to understand Judas, though, Judas, though, was never with Jesus. We actually see him stealing from Jesus the entire time. He, he stole from them. He stole from the poor. Not only that, Jesus knew who he was. At one point, I can't imagine what it was like to be the disciples at this moment, where Jesus said, hey, I chose 12 of you, but one of you is the devil. Right? I did curse the other day, but Jesus wasn't there, but he knows all things. Oh, no. Right? That was a weird moment. Because no, every, I mean, once Judas did what he did, they went, oh, cool, it's not me. <laughs> but that's the question that we have. But here's the problem, and I want to give you the better question. Here's the better question. The, be the better question is, can Jesus, can Jesus lose a Christian? And here's why. Did I save myself? No. Was it my works that saved me? No, it was Jesus's. 
So it's not whether or not I can lose my salvation, it's whether or not Jesus can lose a Christian. I wanna look at two verses here that, that back up the fact that I don't believe he can. Romans 8, 38 and 39, this is Paul speaking. He says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. What are worries? Those are questions that we have. We are questioning God. He goes, that doesn't separate us. He says, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love, not even Satan himself. It says, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is Paul saying in this moment? He's saying, hey, nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us. And look, I, I love to hear from Paul, but we all want to hear from the man himself, right? We want to hear from Jesus. And Jesus does answer this question. Jesus was walking through the temple one day and a bunch of people surrounded him that are asking him, are you really the Messiah? What's really going on? And he answers this question in John 10, 27. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Get this, no one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hands. The father and I are one. So is it possible for Jesus to lose a Christian? No, no. Then what about Judas? What about some other people in our life? Well, you can write this in. There's a difference between knowing about Jesus and choosing him as your savior. There's a difference from knowing about Jesus and committing your life to him. There's a difference from knowing who he is and everything that he's done and being happy that he did miracles and deciding to follow after him. See, in this moment, you're going, okay, so what does that look like? How do I actually know them? Well, the Bible says there's something that comes out of us when we give our lives to Christ. When we truly start following after God, there's something that comes out of us. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. So you can ask yourself this question, am I getting better at any of those? Is that growing in me? Not perfection, but growth. Do I find that I have more peace? Do I find that I have more joy? Do I find that when times where things are getting too much and I'm about to lose control, I feel a nudging to gain it back? If those things are growing in us. Not only that, but you see in the book of James, if you've never read the book of James, it's a great book to just read that just lays it very plainly out. Some people can take it the wrong way of the idea because he talks about works. And he says, a faith without works is dead. And what, what he's not saying is without works, you can't become a Christian. What he is saying is there, if there is no works that follow after your Christian faith, you probably never were. You probably never were. See, works should come out of us. It, it should be where I naturally want to do things that God wants me to do. I naturally wanna follow after him. See, that's what we can know. How do we know well, we look at the works that we have in our life. And let me just tell you this, and let me give you some solace. Every pastor I know has questioned this. Every pastor I know has questioned this, but instead of walking away from the faith, what we do is we open up God's word and we find the answers. We find the answers, we, we understand, well, this is what God said and this is what I know. I may be feeling this, but my feelings are not truth. What God's word says is truth. See, some of you made that decision last week. I, over 600 people I heard made the decision to follow after God or recommit their life to Christ. 
What's the question? The question is, has it changed you? Are you starting to walk with him? Do you have a desire that's coming inside you to actually hear what he has to say and what he wants to do with your life? Because if that's the case, then yes, you are walking with God. I always get the question though, what about unforgivable sins? What about the unforgivable sin? Because some people believe that you know, uh, suicide is an unforgivable sin. We don't believe that, you don't see that in scripture. There is one sin that is mentioned in scripture as being unforgivable. Some of you, wait, what? It's, it's called blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now what that is not is using God's name in vain. It's okay. What it, what it is is this, is when you understand what's going on, the Pharisees, see the Pharisees hated Jesus. They hated him because uh, he came into town. He took all their fame away. Like he would walk up to him and he'd also mock them. He basically called them whitewashed tombs. He says, basically, you look good on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. Jesus had a sense of humor, but it was just really dry. <laughs> like only a couple people got it, like right now. And so because he's taking away their followers, they didn't like it. They weren't thrilled about it. So one of the lies that they would spread is this, is, hey, hey, see all that power coming out of Jesus? You see the power that raised him from the dead? That's not from God, that's demonic. That's demonic. So if you wanna know what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, it's referring to the powers that Jesus used to do miracles and to raise from the dead as demonic. But if you believe that anyway, you wouldn't believe he was the son of God, so it doesn't really matter anyway. So those are, that, that, that's where we understand, look, we, we can't lose our faith if we already had it. God can't lose someone that's given their life to him. So we talk about whether or not, whether or not we can lose our faith. Sometimes we talk about whether or not we can, we can lose a part of our life. But here, here's where, I'll just say this is the biggest question that I get. That's not has to do with faith, but comes with whether or not we're angry with God. This is our last question that we're gonna talk about. It's a question I'm gonna sit on a little bit. And here's the question, and you've heard this. If there's a God, why do bad things happen to good people? Right, if there's a God, why is there pain and suffering in the world? Now, I did an entire message on this last year. There's a link into it in your, in your outline. It's under the series Truth Over Trend. If he's good, he would. But we just wanna talk about it today. And I need you to understand, this is a very emotional question. It's a very serious question with a lot of emotions in it. What surprises me is when I see Christians surprised by pain and suffering. And here's why I say that. And I don't mean to be mean by it. I'm just saying I'm surprised by that because it clearly states it in the Bible. In fact, we even know where it comes from according to God's word. Romans 5, 12 says this, says when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. What does that mean? Basically he's saying this, he goes, when sin came into the world, pain came into the world. When sin came into the world, suffering came into the world. When sin came into the world, death came into the world. And so it clearly states it from the very beginning, hey, I need you to understand there is pain and suffering in the world. The problem that we have with it is we don't like it. Or, some of us were sold on a Christianity that didn't have it in it. And here's my guess. Some of you grew up and you had you know, a parent or a Sunday school teacher or, or a pastor who, who loved you but told you a false truth when they said, hey, if you really follow after God, nothing bad will ever happen to you. If you really follow after God, everything will go right for you. You won't get sick. You won't go through pain. You won't go through suffering. But at one point, you grew up and you looked around and you go, wait a second. 
I see Christians that are going through pain and suffering. I see Christians who get cancer. I see Christians going through incredibly tough times. So that God must not be true. And let me tell you this, that's true. That God never existed. That God never existed. But it's also not the God of the Bible. It's not the God of the Bible. In fact, you won't find that in the Bible. You will never find a Christian say, you know what, I've noticed there's no pain and suffering in the world, there must be a God. You will never find a Christian say, you know what I've noticed, the moment somebody gives their life to Christ, nothing bad ever happens to them, so there must be a God. See, you won't see that. In fact, Jesus, Jesus even told that we should expect these things. And you may be surprised by that because this is a verse that doesn't go up on people's mantles. John 16, 33. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Here on earth, you will have pain and suffering. But take heart because I have overcome the world. This is not a happy verse. Like you don't put that up on the wall. It's not like live, laugh, love. And then Jesus said, you're gonna have pain. Like we don't, we don't put that up on the wall, but this is exactly what Jesus said we should expect. Jesus never promised that it would be easy. Jesus never promised that we would always be healthy and wealthy despite that preacher and what he's trying to sell to you. In fact, you'll be healthy and wealthy if you just give me money. Is that the way it works? Jesus never said that. In fact, he said, hey, you should expect pain. You should expect sorrow. You should expect these things. In fact, here's what's interesting. When you go to third world countries, you don't see this. In America, it's very easy because we don't have to worry about a lot of things other people do. Not that we don't have to work, not that we don't have to worry about some things, but we have basic needs that tend to be taken care of. We have basic things that need to be taken care of. And what it allows us to do is our need for God doesn't seem as big. And so what we start to do is we start to say this, man, if I was God, this is what I would do. And we say things like this, man, how can there be a good God when in that country there's so much pain and suffering? Yet in that country, there's Christians going, man, God is good and I love him. I mean, guys, look at the early church. The first century church, after Jesus died and left, it wasn't easy for the disciples. All but one of them were martyred. Christians were killed on a regular basis. They were thrown into prison. They were, they were burned at the stake. They were thrown into the Colosseum. Not one of the early Christians would have said, well, God must be God because there's no pain and suffering. Yet the church thrived. In fact, I'll, I'll say it this way. The early church didn't see pain as a, and suffering as a reason not to believe in God. They saw it as the reason that they needed him. They saw it as a reminder that they needed him. In fact, guys, if anyone had a reason to stop believing in God because of pain and suffering, it was Jesus. It was Jesus. Because the man that said everyone was worth it to die for was killed by the people he was dying for. He could have easily said, you know what, I'm done with this. Yet he understood it was something that needed to happen. See, guys, remind me, Pain and suffering is not a reason that God doesn't exist. It's a reminder that we need him. And the reason we think it shouldn't exist is not because, it's not because we along the way have decided in a better plan. It's because we've decided that if we were God, we would do things better. But here's what God does. 
He goes, yeah, pain and suffering is gonna exist. But if you follow me, I'll walk with you. I'll sit next to you. I'll give you direction. I'll give you guidance. I'll give you comfort. In fact, in the times where most people would give up, I will give you a peace and a joy that doesn't make sense. says, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. See, what's incredible about God is he wants a relationship with us. He wants to walk with us. Look, he understands what we're going through. He does. He understands what we're walking through. He understands the pain and the suffering because Jesus also went through the same thing. He says, I understand you will go through those things, but take courage, he says, because I have overcome the world. He says, take courage because I'm gonna walk with you. Take courage because I'm gonna be there with you the entire time. Not only that, he says this. He says, whatever it is that you're walking through, whatever it is that you're going through today, whatever valley that you are in, no matter how bad it is, I promise that I can use it for good. That pain and that suffering that you're, you're doubting me in right now, if you walk with me, I can use it for something. Romans 8, 28, it says exactly that. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for him. What he's saying, he goes, I need you to understand, look, if you walk with me, you have a greater purpose. You will have that. Now catch me. God's not saying that he causes the pain, okay? God's not saying that he causes the pain. He didn't cause the pain so that he could walk through the pain with you. What God is saying is this, is God doesn't cause the pain, he just promises to use it for good. He promises to be there with us through it. He never promised to keep us from pain. You guys, here's the other gift that we have. We've got we've to be reminded of this because we, we lose sight of it so often. We've got to be reminded of the gift of heaven. Because one day, one day, the pain and suffering will be gone. One day, there will be no sickness. There'll be no sin. There'll be none of those things. One day, we get to spend eternity with our Father up in heaven. And why we need to remember that is we need to remember that's a place, one, that we get to go to, two, we need to help populate. See, we talked about hell last week. It's it's important to talk about heaven too. Because we have an opportunity. See, God says, look, I know you're gonna walk through some stuff, but I'm gonna use it. I know you're gonna walk through some stuff, but I'm gonna walk with you. Not only am I gonna walk with you, but I'm gonna give you a purpose beyond what you have already. A purpose that has an eternal benefit to those that you talk to about it. A purpose that allows you to help other people find the answer to what they're looking for. See, when Jesus died on the cross, it changed everything. It changed everything. See, God, God didn't wait for us to get it right. Look, we, we were all sinners. God didn't say, hey, when you figure it out, come and talk to me. He sent his son Jesus down to this earth. Jesus lived a perfect life so that he could die as the perfect sacrifice for us. And then he rose three days later, defeating sin and death. And he said, hey, if you believe in that, if you repent of your sins, if you admit that what you're doing is wrong, 
and you follow after me, I'll give you a new purpose. I'll give you a new destination. And I'll walk with you when you walk through those hardest times. See, as those of you that are Christians, look, that's a reminder of what we get to tell people. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something we should be afraid to tell other people about. It's something that is good that they need to hear. But maybe for some of you in this room, you're you're coming to this series because you heard it was called You Have Questions or You've Got Questions. And look, I know this, I didn't answer all of them. It's not possible. There are gonna be some questions that you will never have answered, but my question for you is that, is this. Do you have enough? Because I believe God gives us enough to take that next step with him. I believe God gives us enough to help us make that decision. And then we have the opportunity to find out more and more about him as we walk with him. So today, if that's you, if you're somebody, man, I have yet to make that decision, but you know what? This is the day that I'm going to make that decision. I would like to say a prayer out loud here in just a moment that you can say quietly right where you're at and start that relationship with him. If we could, if we could all bow our heads and close our eyes. If you wanna start that relationship with God, I'm gonna say a prayer out loud that you can say quietly right where you're sitting. Dear God, I know that I've sinned. Please forgive me. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he lived, that he died, and that he rose again. Today, I'm committing my life to you. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for your sacrifice. God, help me find answers to the questions that I still have. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.